guys, it's Pete Mundo, and it is time to recap week six in the Big 12 Conference. My goodness, first full weekend of five Big 12 games, and it was uh, a lot of fun. Not outstanding games, not going to lie, but a lot of fun if you're a Big 12 fan with five games finally on the schedule this weekend in the uh, Big 12 Conference. Yes, we already got the Baylor comments rolling in. We're on Periscope. We're on Facebook Live. Of course, this will be on the podcast as well. And we are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. I'm placing my bets there. They're not going too well this season, but I'm enjoying it. So uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code BIG12 for a 100% sign-up bonus. And if you're on the podcast, please leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you do it. And uh, so just send me that screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm going to have to order a bunch of uh, new koozies here in the next uh, next week or so. All right, I- I'm going to go in order of the games, but let's start off with um, Iowa State, TCU. little out of order because that game had a weather delay. But I was there. I drove up to Ames. And let me first say, uh, absolutely fantastic, fantastic atmosphere, experience. Love the folks' names. It was great to meet up with Levi Stevenson, Wide Right Natty Light guys. Um, Of course, also having a chance to meet with Chris Williams, a Cyclone fanatic, stand-up guy as well. Enjoyed meeting them a little bit. And just getting to interact with Iowa State fans. You know, it's one of those things where you never know what the response is going to be, right, when you're on this side of it doing what I do. And just getting to bump into and interact with so many different fans from all backgrounds and ages throughout the day yesterday was outstanding. Now, the weather stunk during the tailgate. The game got delayed until 1 o'clock. It was just, I mean, it's an old cliche. But my goodness, it was raining cats and dogs. It was pouring in Ames. Everybody's telling me that, you know, apparently the last couple of years, the home games, the weather has not cooperated. So I feel for you there, Iowa State fans. I really do. But once once this game got going, let's actually talk about that. I think this game turned on the strip sack fumble of Max Duggan that led to an Iowa State defensive touchdown. That made it 14-3. And that's when it felt like this was Iowa State's game. This was going to be Iowa State's victory. And TCU was not going to be in a position to come back and win. TCU is not built to come back from behind. Not this year, not this team, not with a true freshman quarterback. That's not how they're built. And Iowa State, when that calendar goes to October, I mean, it's Brock Purdy time. It's Matt Campbell time, baby. This team is 8-0 the past three seasons in the month of October. And after the game, um, Matt Campbell said something in the postgame press conference that was maybe shocking is the wrong word, but it surprised me. He goes, this is the best team he's coached. I love this team, and this is the best team that I've coached. And I'm just taken aback. And I know this team is not sniffing a top 25 ranking for for at least a a few more weeks. But if you think about it, they've got two losses by a combined three points. And they didn't play their best football at Baylor last week. Now, you give Baylor credit. Baylor played very well, but they didn't play their best football in that game. And they're literally four points away from probably having a top 15 ranking. That's how close this season has been for Iowa State. Now, the flip side is 
Matt Campbell's got to get his teams going earlier. I, I mean, the season starts September 1st, whether you like it or not. I know you want to have a team that progresses and gets better throughout the season. What coach doesn't want that? But I, I do think it's a it's a catch-22, right? Because you can say, this team always gets better as the season goes on. But it's also like, okay, but that doesn't mean you can't play well in September. You can't have it both ways. Uh, Brock Purdy rushed for over 100 yards in this game. But the one thing that Brock Purdy did differently is these were designed runs. Campbell made that point after the game. And even Gary Patterson uh, admitted as much after the game as well. He was quoted as saying, Iowa State had a quarterback run game that they had not done up to this point out of tight end sets. We did not do a good job of adjusting. That is from Gary Patterson. So they threw things up there that they had never done before. So that's kudos to Campbell and his coaching staff as well. Now, what's up with TCU? Uh, You've got a freshman quarterback playing like a freshman. And he's going up against a really good defense in Iowa State. Now, uh, there were a couple of deep passes that Max Duggan connected on that still concerns me when you talk about the Iowa State cornerbacks. But clearly, John Heacock's defense overwhelmed and intimidated a true freshman on the road in a tough spot. So this team is not going to come from behind. But it was weird to me that Darius Anderson had only five first-half touches. TCU's running back. I mean... You want to play, Gary Patterson wanted this to be a 17-14-2017 game. So I think we're getting to the point where you can at least start to question Sonny Cumbie. We know how Gary Patterson felt after the SMU loss about his offense. He was not happy with his offensive coordinator. But Sonny Cumbie is not having himself a great season. Wow, that's, that's very nice. Very nice comments here on Periscope. I'm going to ignore this nonsense. Someone telling me they hope I don't wake up tomorrow. Jeez, happy Sunday to you too, buddy. Um, TCU also having issues on the defensive line. It's good, you know, in the middle with Blacklock and uh, Bethley, but there's no one coming off the edge. There's no Ben Banigou this year. You know, th- that guy does not exist this year for TCU, at least thus far. So as a result, the offensive lines can focus on the interior, which is really strong, but they don't have to worry as much about somebody coming off the edge, and that's got to change for Gary Patterson's defense. Tackling was also uh, horrible at times for TCU. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The, the, the tackling was pathetic. That's got to improve as well for this, uh, for this TCU defense. Now, uh, Jalen Rager, I hate to see a guy with this talent not being wasted, but certainly not doing what he is capable of doing. And that's partially play calling. That is partially having a true freshman quarterback. But TCU cannot let these years with what I think is one of the top five players in the Big 12 slip away without utilizing him. And that's how it feels like uh, things are right now with this TCU team. There's no other way to put it. So Iowa State gets that win over TCU and um, a, a lot, a lot that went into that game. Great time up in, De- in uh, oh, I almost said Des Moines, up in Ames. Had a great time in Ames. Caught myself there. And I'll say this, Iowa is a beautiful state. That was my first time in the state of Iowa. I'm in Kansas City now. Been here about a year and a half. That was my first time in the state of Iowa. Beautiful. I couldn't take my eyes off the, uh, sounds corny. I'm not trying to, uh, you know. Not trying to entice anybody here, but I couldn't take my eyes off that uh, that sunset up in Iowa. It was just beautiful yesterday driving home. OU Kansas, let's talk about that game. 
Kansas is going to look at a couple of uh, plays here in the second quarter. Les Miles goes for it on fourth and two from the OU 41. And tight end James, and I'm going to get his name right, Sosinski, dropped a pass that would have given KU the first down. He catches that nine out of ten times. And then on the very next play for OU, Mike Lee drops a pick six from Jalen Hurts. I mean, if he, he caught that ball, it would have been off to the races. And those were two moments. If you're Kansas and you're trying to pull off an upset against an Oklahoma, those are plays you got to make. The game started off with a weather delay, and then you have Kansas drive 98 yards on the opening uh, drive of the game um, and score a touchdown. And, and it was just kind of that awkward, sluggish start for the Kansas Jayhawks, or excuse me, for the Oklahoma Sooners with a weather delay. And then the Texas game next week, it was kind of this perfect storm, no pun intended, where OU is sitting there down 7 nothing. Now, also happening for the Sooners in this game, offensive tackles Eric Swenson and Adrian Ely were announced out before the game. And in the first half, the Sooners had under two yards per carry. Uh, That's not Oklahoma football. Everybody thinks it's OU, it's Lincoln Riley. They want to throw the ball all day, every day. No, they they really want to run the ball is what they want to do. I mean, that's, that's what the Sooners ultimately want to do to win the game. And they were not able to do that. And on top of that, you had Carter Stanley actually playing some good football. I mean, Carter Stanley either looks like he's going to be an all-pro NFL player or he looks like he should be playing D3 football. It's weird. I mean, the guy, it's like very, very hot and cold. But that first touchdown pass to Daylon Charlotte, I mean, that was a dime, man. And there were a couple of those where Carter Stanley was dropping dimes in there. Uh, OU obviously gets itself back on track, and they end up picking up a 45-20 win over the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, specifically in this game as well, some of what, what concerns me for the Sooners is the fact that the secondary did not play great. Puka Williams had some big runs. And if that is going to happen against Kansas, what's going to happen next week with Sam Ellinger and the Texas Longhorns? That's why we do not have all the answers on how improved this Alex Grinch defense is just yet. They haven't played anybody. You know, they just haven't played anybody where you can say about Alex Grinch that he's got this defense turned around. Now, they've won their games. They looked impressive doing it. I think they're a top five team in the country. But you want to really see how much better this defense is against a legitimate offense. And you want to say Tech last week after what Jeff Duffy did on Saturday against Oklahoma State. I am not going to go there because Duffy then had a, you know, game under his belt a full week of prep going into the Oklahoma State game. If Alan Bowman was that quarterback last week, I'd feel differently, but that wasn't the case uh, for this last weekend's game or two weekends ago for OU against Texas Tech. So a lot of time to talk about the Red River rivalry, and I'll tease it right now. We're going to have Bob Stoops on the show this week, so don't miss that. That's only going to be on the podcast. So if you are a uh, listener on Periscope or viewer on Facebook Live, or YouTube, just a heads up, you probably want to subscribe to our podcast because Bob Stoops is going to be on there this week. All right, Oklahoma State's getting shocked in Lubbock by the Texas Tech Red Raiders. The obvious question is, what's going on with Spencer Sanders? People think he is getting worse. Um, There were times when he ran out of bounds, when he should have thrown it away. He did not protect the ball when he knew his offensive line was having issues. He was sacked seven times. You can blame the Oklahoma State offensive line. You can. And they certainly are worthy of being criticized. 
But there's also reason to be concerned about Sanders here because it does not look like he is progressing. And the whole idea of redshirting him last year was to get the year under his belt and have him fully ready to go this year. Now, you're still going to have to work out kinks, right? I mean, playing in a game is different than playing in practice. But I'm not seeing that rapid progression. And and um, Chuba Hubbard has obviously masked a lot of issues that Sanders has had over the past couple of weeks. So I don't think you make any change, though. I just don't think you do it. If Mike Gundy believes, and he knows this guy better than anybody else, if Mike Gundy believes that Spencer Sanders can be a quarterback that leads this team to the promised land and makes a Big 12 championship game or can make a Big 12 championship game at some point in the next three years, then you leave him in there at quarterback. You don't put in Drew Brown. You do not do it. All right? Because all you're going to do is kill this kid's confidence. And Drew Brown would be a one-year stopgap guy. And to do that, to maybe win an extra game this year when you're probably looking at a 7-8-9 at best win season does not make any sense. No. I mean, it's a 7-8 win team right now. You're going to put in Drew Brown just to maybe get to eight wins over seven? What's the point of doing that? If you think Sanders is a guy that can lead you to the promised land. Now, if you don't, if things have changed, then okay. Then give Drew Brown a shot and play for this year. But if not, then you know what? You got to keep riding the kid. You got no other choice uh, if you're Mike Gundy right now. But give some credit in this Texas Tech win. Let's give some credit to Jet Duffy. Jet Duffy had some beautiful passes in this game. Uh, you know, and, and he utilized his wide receivers. I think he completed passes to uh, 11 players. 26 completions to 11 players for Jet Duffy. He used his tight ends. He let his wide receivers do their thing. He got really good pr- protection. And he only ran the ball five times. Jet Duffy looked like a real quarterback. Uh, and I got to give him credit for that, you know, because I, I was not not sure. He had a couple of really nice uh, plays against OU that kind of made my eyebrows uh, go up. But I saw some plays against Oklahoma State. Now, that's also Oklahoma State's secondary not looking too good. But I got to give Duffy credit. You know, I've been very critical of him. And when somebody plays like Jet Duffy did on Sunday, I'm willing to swallow my words, take the heat, and give Jet Duffy the praise that he deserves. They had 7.4 yards per play on 79 plays, uh, did Texas Tech. Now, that tells me as well that the Red Raiders are not necessarily trying to go 90, 100 plays in games anymore under Matt Wells. That's a good thing for this program, especially when the defense is playing like it did. Shout out to Jordan Brooks, 19 tackles, four tackles for loss and a forced fumble. This uh, Texas Tech defense had seven sacks and 14 tackles for loss against an offense that's been pretty darn good. Douglas Coleman had two interceptions. So this Tech defense deserves a heck of a lot of praise. Frankly, it's the defense I thought we would see uh, for most of the season. We have seen it in spurts. We saw it on Saturday, and they deserve a heck of a lot of credit for how uh, this Texas Tech team pulled off a win as double-digit underdogs against Oklahoma State on Saturday at home. A lot of props to Matt Wells and his staff. His guys bouncing back from a brutal game in Norman the week before. Um, now, there were people last week who were like, oh, Matt Wells, I don't know if this guy's the right guy for the job. And now this week he's going to be you know, the savior of Texas Tech football. 
like always, like in sports, politics, everything else, it's probably somewhere in between. But that was a good building block for Matt Wells as he gets uh, he gets his first Big 12 win. So congratulations to him. Mike Gundy, by the way, is 17-10 and 10 as a favorite in his last three seasons. That's straight up. That's a bad number. I think I saw a stat from our friends at Pistols Firing Blog that in his first like 11 seasons, Gundy was 80 and 10 or something as favorite, as a favorite. He's now 17 and 10 since 2017 as a favorite straight up. That's not good. That's a coaching issue. That's not a personnel issue. That's a coaching issue. Gundy's got to clean that up. He's got to figure that out because that is not a good number for this Oklahoma State team over the past three seasons. Jared writes on Facebook Live. By the way, three your comments on Periscope or Facebook Live. All I can say is thank God OSU is a bye week this week. They have a ton to work on before playing Baylor. Absolutely do, but I keep Spencer Sanders at quarterback. Let's get to the afternoon games. Uh, Kansas State and Baylor. Well, K-State's come back down to earth since that top 25 ranking. Huh? The Mississippi State win doesn't look nearly as good. And here's the deal. This team is lacking explosion. Baylor picked up a nice win on Saturday in Manhattan. But Kansas State lacks explosion. There's no other way to put it. Um, they couldn't get the running game going against a, a solid Baylor front seven. They had 123 yards on 40 carries. That's 3.1 yards per carry. Not a good number. And the passing game, you know... I keep using Dalton Schoen's name. It's not to knock Dalton Schoen. He's a good receiver. But he can't be your number one guy in the Big 12. Malik Knoll started the game at wideout for Kansas State. Then he left after a couple drives with a foot injury. But he's not going to single-handedly change it. I mean, you'd like to have Malik Knowles out there if you're Chris Kleiman, but he's not going to single-handedly change uh, this offensive output. No, uh, he's not going to do it. Kansas State cannot keep up with high-flying Big 12 teams. They're going to have to play incredible defense to keep themselves in these games. And you're starting to see that exposed. Now, this is what I expected uh, out of this Kansas State team last uh, this year. So uh, there's nothing that I'm critical right now of Chris Kleiman for doing or for not doing. His team uh, has a lack of talent at certain parts, in certain units, you know? Uh, but what surprised me... And what I give Baylor a lot of credit for was that one of those units for Kansas State that I don't think needed help, or I didn't think needed help, was his offensive line. A veteran group of guys, and Baylor racked up six sacks and 15 tackles for loss. That's an incredible job by Matt Rule's front seven. Baylor was bringing blitzes from unexpected angles. They were blowing up several Kansas State plays in the backfield. And uh, Clay Johnson, I mean, what a stud. What an absolute stud Clay Johnson has become for this Baylor defense. Uh, it's just a beast. Stopping the run, and he's in the backfield. He's tipping passes that are getting intercepted by Graylon Arnold. Um, just unbelievable what, uh, what Clay Johnson has been for this defense, both on the field in terms of stats, but also as a leader as well. I give a ton of props to Clay Johnson, and it's been great to watch him here over the past, especially a couple of weeks as conference plays got going for Baylor and they beat in Iowa State and Kansas State, two teams that they had to beat if they wanted to be that, you know, third team in the Big 12 that could challenge potentially Oklahoma and Texas. Tyquan Thornton, everybody's focused on Denzel Mims and Tyquan Thornton is like, all right, I'll take mine. 11 catches, 141 yards. Um, obviously, the question is Charlie Brewer. Not sure as of this point when we're recording this what exactly uh, the extent of the injury is, but 
uh, you know, I know Matt Rule just signed a big extension, and I hope he stays in Waco for a very long time. Baylor could not have hoped for a better answer following Art Bryles than Matt Rule. He has done everything as you would want him to do it, both on the field and off the field. But this guy's going to be a hot commodity. If this Baylor team wins 9, 10 plus games, if you have openings at USC, at Michigan, at Penn State, Matt Rule's getting a phone call. All right? I, I don't, you know, he said all the right things with the contract extension last week, but I promise you, Matt Rule's getting a phone call. Comments on Periscope, Facebook Live, leave them there. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We're recapping week six in the Big 12. We're brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use the promo code BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. We're placing our bets there, and I hope you will as well. Um, Having a lot of fun doing that this season. So you get free money when you deposit. Can't beat that. All right, lastly, but not least, West Virginia losing at home to Texas. So the Mountaineers come out red hot. And uh, Sam James has that touchdown. Then you have Texas missing a field goal. And Morgantown is bumping, and they're ready for the upset. But then the second half happened, notably the fourth quarter. Austin Kendall threw a bunch of interceptions. He threw four picks, including three in the second half when West Virginia was down one score. And that kind of sealed the fate for uh, for the Mountaineers in this one. Basically, the talent won out. The talent won out for the Texas Longhorns in this game against West Virginia in Morgantown. And it's kind of how I felt the game was going to end up. Like, even as West Virginia was keeping it close, it was just a matter of, okay, when does Texas turn it on? When do they wake up? And when do they just take care of business here against the Mountaineers? And that is exactly what happened. Um, Here's the problem for West Virginia as well, and then I'll talk a little bit about Texas. West Virginia can't sustain drives. This offense is at its best when it's playing a hurry-up, when it's almost in a two-minute drill. They don't have, I mean, Letty Brown has looked pretty good at running back, and he may be the guy that can kind of be a workhorse in that backfield, averaging over four yards per carry when he gets the ball. He hasn't played a ton, uh, but maybe he's that guy. But here's the problem, and here's the conundrum for, uh, for Neil Brown, West Virginia's head coach. Do you try to keep it up tempo, go score for score, and keep up with some of the teams of the Big 12 that you want to do that with? Or do you try to play the field position game, you get a great punter, and try to hold these offensive da- offenses down and win games in the 20s? Because the defense for the Mountaineers is really good. From the front end in the Sills brothers to the back end in guys like Keith Washington, it's a really good defense for the Mountaineers. I think they want to play games in the 20s, but the problem is, when the offense works at an up-tempo pace, that means the defense is getting back on the field quickly and it's not getting a breather. And especially in college football, but even more notably in the Big 12, your defense needs a breather in this league to have success. It just does. Um, so that's, that's the question right now for Neil Brown. And it, it really is a catch-22 and how he tries to win games here the rest of the season. But he's got to rebuild. And, and the Mountaineers, I think, the defense is going to have to carry them. Austin Kendall, you know, you're six games in. And, and some of these interceptions are just, just poorly thrown balls and not accurate passes. Um, sometimes he throws dimes on the deep ball, but sometimes it's not looking too good, especially on those intermediate routes. 
give Texas credit. You know, the defense is really banged up, and you have Deshaun Jameson and B.J. Foster just total studs uh, in that secondary. They look great um, on some of those interceptions. Now, on the opening drive, they both had penalties that led to the Mountaineers' first touchdown of the game. But they also both had really nice interceptions. They were very physical. And uh, despite the fact that there are some injuries on that back end, I give a lot of props to the uh, Texas secondary and that Texas defense for hanging strong, for going on the road, for picking up a win they got to pick up before, of course, the biggest game in the Big 12 thus far this year, Oklahoma, Texas, Cotton Bowl, Dallas on Saturday at 11 a.m. So uh, Texas picks up the win. Sam Ellinger did his thing as well, carried this team to victory when they needed him most, and that's what you expect out of a guy like that. Um, on Facebook Live, Jeff writes, Pete, West Virginia will be sick when they watch the film. So many chances. I agree, Jeff. Now, I give Texas credit. They had a couple of trick plays there in that second half. Uh, Devin Duvernay had a couple of nice plays there. So Texas did what it had to do to win. I don't think this game, to me, uh, is a big knock on West Virginia. Yes, they'll look at missed chances when they watch the film, but ultimately I'm giving more credit to Texas for this win than I am trying to take away credit for West Virginia, from West Virginia, for this loss. Joel writes, what are the odds Matt Rule seriously entertains a coaching job at his alma mater, Penn State? Well, the job's obviously not open, Joel, but the scenario is USC opens up, Clay Helton gets booted, James Franklin goes to USC, and then Penn State opens up. You know, it is Rule's alma mater. He is an East Coast guy. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, it would burn me if he did take the job after all the nice things he said here the past couple of weeks following the extension that he just signed with Baylor. It would burn me. But would I be shocked? No. And the reason is the guy's done NFL interviews the past two off seasons. And I, once again, I don't blame him. If that's what he wants to do, it's his life. It's his career. But I, I would hope you would be a little more upfront about it because um, he says all the right things to Baylor. But then he does these interviews the past couple of years, and it's kind of like, okay, which one is it, Matt? It's kind of like, you know, you tell your wife you love her, and then sometimes you go on a date with somebody else. It's like, buddy, we can't have it both ways. You ever love this place and you want to be here, or you're going on job interviews? So, but it's a good problem, right? It's a good problem for Baylor to have because it means that the team's doing well, the program's in good shape, and they should be winning a bunch more games this season. I'm Pete Mundo. We're HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Uh, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet just recapping week six in the Big 12 conference. Appreciate you guys watching Periscope Facebook Live on the podcast. Once again, if you're on the podcast, rating, review, subscribe helps us tremendously. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. If you do that, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get the koozie in the mail. Also, we're brought to you by MyBookie.ag. They give you free money when you deposit. Just use the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. We are officially underway with conference play. Five games this past weekend. We've got three this weekend, a lot to get to. We'll be previewing it all this week on the podcast only. So check it out, guys. Go subscribe. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you this week. I'm Pete Mundo. We are heartlandcollegesports.com. See you guys later.